0: Welcome, everybody, to this host of Tap Out Talk. My name is Brian, and this is the WWE Hall of Fame 2022. I'm back with my man, Nikki T. Michaels, one year later.
1: What's up, my friend? Uh, we're back here talking about the WWE Hall of Fame uh, 2022 class. It's smaller, but I'm excited because we have one of the all time great wrestlers, one of my favorites. So I can't wait to talk about him in this entire class, and I'm just honored that you're having me back.
0: It's always a pleasure to have you. You know, this is one of those events where we celebrate their wins and we mourn their losses. But tonight, we celebrate all of their success and their legacies. So, as we say, let's get in. Up first, we are going to have the man they call Vader. So let's watch a little about him.
2: The WWE family is mourning the recent passing of Leon White, better known to the WWE universe as the man they call Vader. An All-American at the University of Colorado, White was drafted to the NFL by his hometown Los Angeles Rams, where he would go on to compete in Super Bowl XIV. After an impressive career on the gridiron, White pursued his passion for sports entertainment, adapting the persona of Big Van Vader. Vader at the time was the premier monster in the business. Big outfit, mutas, and all. Oh, it's Vader time! Very few people had ever seen a guy that big, that agile. He was really a freak of nature. He is with a power bomb! And Vader has won the world time. Vader was the first true super heavyweight to display uncanny agility and athleticism in the ring. A three-time world champion in WCW vader's menacing persona made an immediate impact when he joined wwe in 1996 he just had so much power and strength i mean we're talking about a 400-pound guy that could do a moonsault off the top rope how does he do that a mastodon-sized man with an equally prolific personality vader had fun portraying himself on the hit 90s sitcom boy meets world WWE offers our condolences to Leon's family and friends. We will forever look back fondly on the man they call Vader.
0: Man, the WWE always does so amazing in their tributes, and this was like no other. Leon White or Vader, what's the first thing that pops into your mind, Nick, when you think of this legend now Hall of Famer?
1: Well, you know, he was a trailblazer for big guys in the WWE, as uh, the clip just mentioned. But he really was stunning to watch because you never really saw a big man like him go off the top rope or fly into the air. He didn't care about his body. He was there to entertain the crowd. And, you know, I put him on the same caliber and level, and it's appropriate that they had him in the hype video as Mick Foley. I think he was there for the fans, and he loved what he did. And I always thought that he was very underrated.
0: Yeah, and um, it's funny that you mentioned Mick Foley because he is actually responsible for Mick Foley missing his ear. So it was Vader in a match with Vader that actually ripped Foley's ear off, and he lost it in Germany. Um, and Foley goes into description of that on his uh, autobiography, and so that is one thing that pops into my head.
1: And they're both wearing masks too. I thought that was kind of ironic too. And they act a lot alike. They're both kind of had that crazy persona on the screen. Um, He's a three-time world champ, so, you know, in my opinion, this is long overdue for him, Brian. Um, I remember watching him when I was younger, at the tail end of his career, and I used to love his entrance video. It's time! It's Vader time! 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 I loved it. But, uh, you know, it's sad that he's not with us anymore, but... uh, I'm glad that uh, Vince McMahon and the WWE brass finally gave him the recognition that he deserves.
0: Yeah. And, you know, he started his career, as they mentioned, off in the NFL playing for the Rams. Mm -hmm. And um, now I will admit, I did not watch Vader play in the NFL. Um, It was a little before my time. But, you know, it was kind of cool to know that as I started watching wrestling and seeing this big man in WCW. Um, But I always loved the football pads. Elephant face mask, the mastodon, if you will, mm-hmm. that he would wear to the ring, and it smoked, and there was smoke coming out of it. Yeah. And uh, every kid on the playground in elementary school was talking about that.
1: It's like uh, Loren too, you know. He was the same way, you know. Football players make good professional wrestlers, Brian. So I'm not shocked there. No, so, I mean, and I remember that Boy Meets World episode too. I remember watching that. I used to love that show, and I remember him on there, and uh, he was pretty intimidating then, and it's still kind of intimidating to watch now. So.
0: Yep, I remember. um the big thing that got me watching was he broke a wrestler's back in the ring. And that was kind of the big Van Vader, you know, and he power-bombed him, right? And that set his reputation for the bad guy. And he was uh, managed by Harley Race at the time, one of the greatest villains in the history of the business.
1: The first ever uh, WWE champion, correct?
0: Uh, is he? No, I no. believe so, isn't he? I would we'll have, have to, to look, look that up. I'll have to look that one up. Um, I wanted to say Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt it was thing. Eddie Graham. If you go back to the older days, but um, the biggest thing with Vader, I remember in his first feuds and he was the first main villain in the modern WCW, if you will. And I remember um, the big cage match on the beach with Hawk Hogan. When Hawk Hogan first went to the WCW, Vader had this bash at the beach, steel cage match on an actual beach. And I love that pay-per-view. I believe it was 1994 was the year. And he had this Bachelor at the Beach matchup, and they actually was on Daytona Beach, and they had all these um, fans just in the area watching it. And so it was an outdoor setting. It was really awesome.
1: Yeah, uh, I I did not get to see that clip, but uh, that sounds awesome. It sounds like him. I mean, again, I go back to he was a pure entertainer. He loved to wrestle and wrestle for the fans, and he just did a a great job with his persona, his villain gimmick. I mean, in all honesty, he he, you know, him and Mick Foley, I mean, yeah. those guys are the best, you know. He um, didn't care about his body, sorry. What's your most
0: notable matchup? Um, even if it's WWF days cuz he um, did transition over to the WWF.
1: You know, there's so many, Brian. I can't really pick one off the top of my head, and, and to be honest with you, I was really young, so I'm yep. struggling trying to uh, pick one out, but uh I knew that he was such a great underrated villain.
0: Um, I do remember in the 90s, I'll give us one. uh, He came over and debuted in the Royal Rumble, right? And he was a big feature player coming over into the Royal Rumble. And then that year, um, he was in the Royal Rumble, made his impact. But then at SummerSlam that year, he got a championship match against Shawn Michaels. And at the time, Jim Cornette was managing Vader. And um, if you ever hear Jim Cornette on his podcast, he talks about that match and how much he hated it. Because apparently Sean was very difficult to work with. And no, to the point where, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, he basically just, he he hated it. And some of that tension actually came out in the match where he called uh, Sean Michaels, He got on the mic and called him a gutless coward. And made him fight Vader a second time and a third time. And so it definitely was Vader time over and over and over again.
1: Yeah, it will always be Vader time. His legacy will live on. And congratulations uh, to him. Obviously, he's not with us, but to his family. And I think it's going to be an emotional night for uh, the Vader family.
0: Yeah, it's going to be great uh, to see Vader finally in the Hall of Fame. I wish he would have gotten in a few years ago when he was alive. But, you know, it's great that his family can honor this Mastodon and this legacy. Should we go to our next one? Let's do it. All right. So coming up next is the next Hall of Fame is going to be a tag team for this year. It is the Steiner Brothers. So right out of Michigan's pride, uh, the Steiner Brothers, Rick and Scott Steiner. What do you remember about them?
1: Well, blast from the past, WCW. uh, I remember Rick Steiner winning the TV title a few times over WCW. Scott Steiner, he's been all over the place uh, in WWE, WCW. He was in um, TNA for a while. So, um, I'll be honest with you. I thought these guys were already in the Hall of Fame. Um, But, you know, I mean, they deserve to be in there. They they did a nice job. When they were a a tag team, they were good villains. And I really think once they broke up, though, is where Scott really kind of distanced himself from his brother. And I felt that his brother Scott never, I'm sorry, Rick Rick, never really recovered from that. I think Scott had the better overall career, but... I mean, I'm still happy for both of them to get this honor.
0: No, I agree with you. I remember they came in in 94 in the WWE. They were in WCW prior. They came over, and they were kind of just the straight-up baby faces, right? The goody-goodies of, you know, and they had the nice kind of, you know, Michigan music, and they were a bona fide tag team and a classic wrestling tag team, right? You can even tell by the headgear that Rick was known Mm -hmm. for wearing and the singlets they both wore. Um, at that point, you know, that was most of their WWF run and they had some, you know, matches against, I remember the Beverly brothers who are from Ohio. I remember, you know, they really anybody in those nineties era, but to your point, Nick, when they broke up, that's when Scott and his career just boomed. And I mean, he didn't look like the same guy. you remember Big Papa
1: puff, right? Big
0: pop pump,
1: pump, right? Pump. Holla if you hear me. Yeah, yeah,
0: And he actually cut all of his hair mostly. Or that
1: uh, what's that called? That uh, headpiece
0: that oh yeah the, the yeah. chainmail yeah the chainmail yeah. Yep. like from the medieval times. Yeah. Um, he dyed himself bright blonde and just grows some facial hair and at the arms, mm-hmm. the freaks and the peaks the as he roids. called it. Yeah, the right? roids help with that, don't they? Um, oh, that's natural. <laughs> so
1: I'm sure that little tennis
0: ball on top of the sure, bicep. Sure, um, I, you know you used to kiss it and uh-huh. so. That really made his career. He went to the NWO for a little bit, if you remember. Yep. And then to your point, Rick kinda did. They tried to give him his own persona, but unfortunately it was still very Steiner brotherish. And it just was a single version of this. I
1: would say, Brian, that Scott was more marketable um, as a you know, individual wrestler. Rick is just, you know, he was always a good jobber. Well, that's that's disrespectful to say jobber. He was always good in a tag team, but he never really had that it factor as Vince McMahon would always talk about, or the charisma to carry on and kind of lead into an individual career. And Scott had that. Scott had that persona. He had that bad boy, and that's what I was talking about. I know that they were baby faces when they were together, but I remember Scott as the badass in WCW and in yep. uh, TNA as well. So and yep. in WWE.
0: So. Well, you know the quote Vince McMahon, you know. If I could imagine Vince commenting on this, he would say, "You gotta grab the brass ring, and you gotta get the testicular fortitude, Scott, to grab it
1: and choke your brother by the throat."
0: All right. Um, uh, <laughs> sorry, little Vince McMahon. That's just funny. he walks in every once in a while in my office, and yeah, you know, I gotta kick him out. So there you go. Uh, Impressive. But no, I mean they were a legit tag team. I agree with you 100. percent A lot of people would have already thought they were in mm-hmm. because in their minds they are a Hall of Fame. We just made it official this year.
1: Yeah, just like, you know, you would have. Th- I think the same thing goes with Vader. Both Vader and the Steiner Brothers should have been in several years ago. I agree with that. But yeah, congratulations to the Steiner Brothers. Um, I know you're going to ask me a certain match, but I'll be honest with you. When they were in their heyday, I was not really into wrestling. So okay. do you have a certain match? I'll turn the tables on. Oh,
0: for me, and again, it was more about their single career, right? Cause,
1: oh, well, if we're talking single, that's Yeah, let's different. go single. I thought you were talking about just the tag sure. team. But.
0: Uh, tag teams, there were so many more to me at the time, and keep in mind as a kid, there were more flashier tag teams i was into so these were more of a traditional wrestlers and i didn't appreciate it at the time mm-hmm. but once they became flashy and they split up especially scott i was like ooh what's going on here and i got into it but what was your memory of that
1: uh scott steiner had a fantastic feud with diamond dallas page in wcw and it was just bloody they had several uh i don't th- what do they call the hardcore matches in wcw they weren't they weren't called the hardcore but anyways there was a lot of blood there was a lot of barbed wire just i remember that rivalry a lot of hatred those guys really sold themselves in the crowd and um i really became a fan of scott after that rivalry yeah rick you know not much of a singles career i mean he had a a little bit of a run he was the tv champ for a while and i remember that briefly but scott really stands out to me more he also had a really nice rivalry scott did with uh Kevin Nash, kind of the NWO fallout. Yeah. They had a really good rivalry with him and uh, Diesel.
0: When he eventually came to the WWE as a singles competitor, just Mm -hmm. Scott, he had that initial uh, matchup with Triple H, and it was at the Rumble and No Way Out.
1: yeah, I remember that now.
0: That, to me, I enjoyed. A lot of people did not, but, um, you know, I actually liked it, and I thought, you know, the muscle for muscle with Triple H was a nice, like, billing. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't hate the match. I actually kind of enjoyed it, but I know a lot of people did not like that matchup because they felt.
1: You got to look up uh, his rivalry, though, with Diamond Dallas Page. Those are some bloody matches. I'll have
0: to go back and visit that one. Well, Steiner Brothers, definitely a Hall of Fame. And, you know, we got a couple WCW related wrestlers in this Mm -hmm. first couple, you know, uh, inductions. Love
1: it, man. World Championship Wrestling.
0: They are. Let's go into our next one. Which is gonna be, we gotta get our female of the class, and that is none other than the Queen Charmelle. Let's take a look. I am personally excited about this one. Of course, the wife of two time WWE Hall of Famer Booker T, Queen Charmelle, exuded royalty, charm, and class. In and out of the ring. Congratulations, Queen Charmel, on earning your rightful place in the WWE Hall of Fame. And, of course, it's only fitting that she will be abducted by her husband, Booker T. All hail Queen Charmel!
1: Tell me you didn't just say that. Tell me you didn't just say that. (laughs) Nicely played. You, You know I had to do that. Um... We're not going to talk a lot about this one, but it makes me wonder, Brian, why do you think that she's getting this recognition? Because when it came to wrestling, her career lasted about 15 minutes.
0: I remember her as the sidekick to King Booker. Mm-hmm. I've read about her doing something, I believe, as like Paisley or something in WCW, but it I, I, don't, it remember out, I yeah. don't remember her. Um, I don't remember her. I... Can I quote an AEW guy recently that posted something about this? I think I'm going to. MJF recently posted this, and he posted her picture, and he said, when you run out of female legends to induct.
1: Or the ones that you reached out to said no.
0: Yeah, and to the point, he he says, seems legit. And I'm like,
1: "Mm, yeah. I mean, this spot should have went to Mickey James. I don't care if you have a— I don't care if you have a grudge or not, you know, going on with the company or not. Mickey James, I love Mickey James. She is phenomenal, and you know, no offense to Queen Charmel, but she, this is like Coco Beware. It really is. I mean, do they really belong in the Hall of Fame? Is the question. That's true. It's like you said earlier, the brass ring. She obviously grabbed it.
0: Um. Some people feel that the reason she was even there in the first place. And I don't know if this is true or not, but she had to keep a close eye on Booker.
1: Could be, too. I don't know.
0: Keeping an eye on the husband. Hey, I'm going to take a job and be right at your side.
1: But what match do you remember her for? I
0: don't. Um, I do re- even have a match? I remember oh. her waving pretty much what we've seen in the opening clip. Um, she was the sidekick there. So let's talk about who we would have put in. Because Mickey James, absolutely. Yeah, that's,
1: yeah, that's, that's, that's my vote right Um,
0: there. That would have been, and it would have been so easy because they already have a friendly relationship with her being in the Rumble this year, so obviously there's a working relationship where they could have the only thing that tells her in. Me,
1: oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to No, no me. go ahead. But the only thing that tells me is she's not done and she wants to wait until she retires to be inducted, which I get that. The Undertaker's the same way. I'm sure Paul Levesque, Le, Le, um, also known as Triple H, probably wanted to wait as well until he was done. So it makes sense, but... So like you said earlier, I think they're scraping the bottom of the barrel or the bottom of the peanut butter jar to kind of get someone in there this year.
0: Um, I think another one that would have popped in my head, um, you got Brock Lesnar's wife sitting out there. For those of you who do not know who that is, that is Sable. I think Sable would have been a classic Hall of Fame to put in this spot. She at least was a champion and wrestled. I'm not saying she was the best wrestler, but she at least – was an icon for the WWE at a certain point.
1: And that's a blast from the past. It's been forever since Sable's been around her on WWE. Yeah. So,
0: And I've heard that the relationship's not good with WWE and her. Mm-hmm. Uh, to the point I heard that Tori Wilson, when she was inducted a few years ago, was told not to thank Sable in her, mention her in her speech.
1: I think, I hate to say this, but I think Sable's going to get inducted after she passes away. Just like... Um, you know, it has happened with some of the other uh, yep. inductees. In China, the China, China for one.
0: Yeah. Um. What about China going in single? Not as a part of DX. I mean, just going in as a female. You no, know,
1: I thought she was already in. That was another one. I thought because she deserves a first ever. Uh, intercontinental uh, woman to be the intercontinental champion by the way i'm not trying to brag i was at that show when she won against jeff jarrett in the nice in the kitchen sink the, match the kitchen there, the, um yeah oh, what was that good housekeeping yeah, match <laughs> housekeeping yeah match. i was there in cleveland no, mer- nice. no mercy yeah 1999 nice and that was a historic moment and they actually tried to screw her out of that match and this is hilarious you know she's not even inducted and in, you know the first match of the night that i remember you know is for someone that's not even in the Hall of Fame, she is, but not as a single. But, anyways, um, and then, you know, she won the women's title over and over again, and she was a great sidekick and manager for Triple H. Yep. Um, but um, her adult industry uh, career kind of ruined everything in WWE.
0: You know, if you really wanted to go sidekick induction this year, Miss Elizabeth would have been great, the first lady of wrestling. But there's plenty we could go with, right? Yeah. But we I'm got Queen Charmelle. She's
1: not in there.
0: I there's something there.
1: And, oh, I'm telling you though, Randy Savage. It took forever for that to happen, and it took for him to die too. So yeah, unfortunately. But, but
0: instead of the Macho King, we got the Queen, Charmel. Yeah. So I know we spent more time than we probably want, but let's go to our next
1: inductee. You agree? Congratulations, Charmel.
0: Congratulations, Charmel. Congratulations, Booker. Happy wife, happy life. You're both Hall of Famers. Well, our next um, is going to be the Warrior Award winner. And that is none other than Shad Gaspard. You guys might remember him from a little tag team called Crime Time. Yeah,
1: I remember those guys. I loved, I loved Crime Time. Um, they were fun to watch, JTG and then Shad. And um, it's just it's sad. You were, we were talking off air about this. And it's just really sad what happened with Shad. And I'll let you kind of reflect. But I really enjoyed Crime Time. They weren't... Crime Time wasn't a huge tag team like a top tier tag team. As far as they'll go down as one of the all time great tag teams, they were entertaining, had great chemistry together, and they entertained the crowd. And I really think that Shad and JTG were in that kind of um, they were in that kind of era of the what mid to late two thousands yep. where it was all about entertaining the crowd.
0: And you hit a really good point there. Um, they were a real legit tag team. A Mm -hmm. real tag team. I love tag teams Mm -hmm. that are tag teams. And what I mean by that is... The chemistry. The chemistry. Mm -hmm. They should look like a tag team, dress like a tag team, have a tag team name. Don't just give me JTG and Gasper.
1: The bar, or something stupid like the bar.
0: (laughs) I think when they just throw two guys' names together, right?
1: Yeah, like Sheamus and, and Cesaro. As much as I actually in the long run, enjoyed that tag team, it was so random at first and thrown together. But
0: they did eventually morph into it. They did. And they gave themselves a name. And they had to actually merge their styles Mm -hmm. where, you know, they used to be legit tag teams and it was almost its own division in a sense. And you just didn't throw guys together and say you're a tag team now. So, uh, Shad Gasper, let's kind of talk about why he's getting this award. Um, The Warrior Award, for you guys that don't know, is to demonstrate an act of um, being a hero Um, in the lives of people and Shad Gaspard was a hero to his son on a very tragic day where, uh, his son was caught in a riptide swimming and his son was drowning and Shad, uh, put his own life at risk and unfortunately gave his own life, saving his son and he uh, ended up drowning, saving his son. So, and he knew that he had to do that so his son could live. And uh, that is the heart of a warrior right there.
1: That's the ultimate sacrifice. Um, What an amazing, amazing act of courage. And I mean, when it's your child, you're going to do anything. I mean, I would do the same thing, and I'm sure you would, too, for your child. And, you know, just like any parent would. And, you know, it's tragic that it happened, but the way it happened, you know, I mean, how's the condition of the child, you know?
0: Um, I have not seen any reports of that, um, so I haven't seen the actual okay. – I mean, I know he's you know still around today yeah. and probably will be there tonight. It's going to
1: be very emotional um, with the induction of this, and I'm sure JTG will be there. Um, but, yeah, Shad, you know, I mean, it's tragic what happened, but you have to – you know, it's just one of those things where he did the right thing. I mean, I would have yeah. done the same thing. Uh, even if – even knowing – sorry, even knowing – that I'm going to die, it's your child. I mean, you know, you never want to bury your child.
0: Right. And this, um, for me, this, I feel he's the most fitting person to win this award for the act that he did. Not trying to knock on any of the other ones that have won this award, but to me, this is at the top of the list and uh, very well-deserved. And I like the fact that it is somebody that has tapped into the wrestling community and has been a part of the wrestling family. Uh, I've seen this award sometimes go to people that just happen to be a wrestling fan or you know the WWE sometimes I think was you know kind of using as a publicity.
1: Well, they, yeah, they did the J- Joan London with uh, the Susan G. Coleman, which is wonderful. But yeah, I agree that kind of tied into their marketing. But um, and then they had a, a little boy with a disability. I thought that was really uh, connor the Crusher though. That Con- that was well deserving too. That, Absolutely. That kid, I mean, oh my God, I'm, I'm tearing up now just thinking about that whole thing. But yeah, going back to this, this was an act of heroism, heroic act. And um, you know he's yeah, he's probably not going to be remembered for his wrestling career, but for this act, I mean that 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 speaks volumes. Yeah. I still can't get over the fact that he still saved his child. I mean that that is
0: it's truly an amazing story. It's
1: amazing. Um,
0: so at this point, um, to lighten it up a little, it's our main event of inductions. And Nick, it's one of your favorites of all time, and that is none other than The Undertaker. And just to give you an idea, let's take a look. Welcome to the domain of The Undertaker, and welcome to the Hall of Fame, Mark Calloway, The Undertaker. Nick, I know you want to talk about this one.
1: Oh, yeah! Another, That's my Paul bear imitation for you. And
0: he joins Paul Bear in the Hall yes. of Fame tonight.
1: Yes, I'm excited. Um, the Undertaker, I remember my first ever live event that I ever went to, and don't ask me what year it was, because it's late 90s, maybe 96, 97, it was in Cleveland. And we were at, I, long story short, we, I have a small connection to the big show, so we were, we were there to watch him, and he wrestled Triple H in one of the side matches. But the main event was Stone Cold versus The Undertaker. And I knew of Stone Cold, and I knew who The Undertaker was, but it, you know, I was seven years old, and I'm there, and it goes black. And I hear the gong, and it wasn't the same music that he uses now, but um, it was back, uh, the group he was in help me i have a brain fart right now the with midian and the acolytes and the um uh, oh, the, the he, ministry of darkness ministry of darkness yes. that music hit and i just saw him walk down the ramp and he at that time he didn't have the hat he had the hood on and he was just just so cool and intimidating and he was the bad guy he was the villain stone cold was the face obviously and i just kept cheering for this guy my dad was getting mad at me because he was like we're not supposed to cheer for the villains you know you're supposed to cheer for the faces and I didn't care and ever since then he got me hooked him and Triple H are the reasons why I always cheer for the heel and I was just blown away seven years old blown away watching this guy just kind of take my breath away I mean he was phenomenal he (laughs) his whole character you're watching him walk down the ramp and he's blowing you away before he even gets in the ring let alone the bell rings and you're just in awe of how intimidating he is and you're a little freaked out and scared but you're also excited at the same time and I mean whoever I don't know the story behind The Undertaker I need to really kind of get into and watch and research more whoever decided if it was Mark or if it was Vince but whoever created The Undertaker Bravo because he's going to go down as the greatest character in the history of WWE and I will argue that with anyone if you even try to tell me Hulk Hogan no way it's The Undertaker
0: so, it's funny that you uh, ask about the origin of The Undertaker. Sorry, it was a little long. It's perfect. Uh, he deserves this. Um, it's funny that you ask because the origin of The Undertaker, according to Mark Calloway, the man, is when he first came to the WWE. So, he started his career in the Indies and then also mm-hmm. in WCW for a little bit as Mean Mark Calloway. Yeah, mean Mark. And then he made his way over to the WWE in the early 90s, and or WWF at the time. Yes. And... I remember he was going to debut around the same year that the gobbledygooker debuted at the survivor series. And when he called Vince for the first time or Vince called him and he thought it was a joke, why is Vince McMahon call me? And when Vince called him, apparently he talked to him and then he said, well, is this the undertaker or is this, or is it not? And he didn't know what to say because he, they never talked about The Undertaker. And so he's like, well, if it's Vince McMahon, I'm just going to say whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is The Undertaker. Mm-hmm. And uh, Vince had this whole idea of a Western Undertaker, old school gimmicky thing. The 90s were really – he was getting into that gimmick era. Yeah, But this is an example of a wrestler that can take a goofy gimmick in a sense and turn it into a legacy. So actually – he was scared at that Survivor Series because they didn't know what was going to hatch from that egg. Yeah,
1: he thought – I remember seeing an uh, interview not too long ago. I think it was his retirement. They, WWE did a retirement thing, uh, documentary. And I think he even admit, admitted that he really thought the character was going to flop.
0: Yeah, and, yeah. He, and he thought he was going to be having to come out of the egg. Mm-hmm. And he was scared of that. And he was like, thank God. And then they debuted him. Now, he started off with an amazing win streak. And he has a huge win streak through his career because his character was created to be almost the living dead, so to speak, and very spiritual and, you know, beyond this world of darkness. And he would – I remember he came right in, and, I mean, he had an immediate feud with Hulk Hogan, Mm -hmm. and he won the title. And he came in. His first manager was Brother Love. Um, Ted DiBiase actually introduced him first as a member of his team, and Brother Love was his manager – and then they quickly transitioned it over to Paul Bear, and that was a match made in heaven. And um, so that was a good pairing there. But that was in the early 90s, right? Mm-hmm. And then, so I remember, and he worked very stiff. He, You know, he was meant to be, and there was so much stuff he could do as a big man, as a wrestler, but he wasn't allowed because of his character. And so from there, um, the earliest memories I have of him was as a little kid. I was kind of scared because... He would put his opponents in a body bag after they're done and continue to beat on them defenselessly. Or he would always lock people in caskets and he actually locked the ultimate warrior in an airtight ca- um, a casket. And basically, you know, they played off that the warrior suffocated and almost died. And right. so that was a lot of the 90s. And then we get later on, you remember the Ministry of Darkness you said is your first. What do you remember of his win streak? Because they built that win streak up where he almost couldn't lose to build up this character for a good 10 years.
1: Yeah, that match was stone cold. If I remember correctly, he did win, but I believe it was via disqualification and the fans were mad, but, of course, he was the heel. So that's, especially in the late 90s, that's, well, even in, even into the earlys that's a classic heel move to win by, or to get out of it by disqualification because it was for the title belt. So, um, yeah, I, I kind of, re- I, I do remember that a lot. And I was intimidated and scared, but... Also, I was just amazed, and I really was just enjoying watching him perform. Um, it's funny, though. You talked about how dark he was, and he actually, you're going to call me crazy, but I always thought that The Undertaker wasn't as appreciated until he kind of found The Undertaker character now. Now, I know that doesn't make sense, but let me just bear with me. Sure. Ministry of Darkness, it was a good character, good undert- version of The Undertaker, but then he did the uh, American Badass. He switched over to the American Badass with the motorcycle. I love that. I thought it was cool. Kid Rock, Limp Biscuit had some really cool um, uh, intros. And then I think he did like Big Evil or something. And that kind of flop-dish. It wasn't as popular as the American Badass. Then the Brothers of Destruction, the whole thing with Kane. We haven't even yep. brought up Kane yet. But he kind of rekindled his relationship with Kane. And then I think he took like a year off, if I'm not mistaken, and then they kind of reimaged the Undertaker into what we know and love today, and really made him more of an icon. I think that, yeah. I think that that reset between the Ministry of Darkness and the current Undertaker. I think that really propelled him to one of the all-time greats.
0: Well, and you had a good point with the whole um, American badass um, gimmick, right? Um, that was a hint of the real Mark, Mark yeah. coming out. And, and
1: he said that too.
0: One of the things he mentioned on that note was he knew that the undertaker gimmick was still good, but he could see the attitude era sinking in. And slowly he noticed that he was starting to lose the crowd. And he noticed guys like stone cold, Steve Austin and Degeneration X and these edgier, the rock, know, the mm-hmm. rock, these edgier characters in the attitude era. And, and he told Vince, I got to do something to get with the times. And he did. Some people didn't like it at first, and then they fell in love with it because when you're this good at your job, they could have made him a plumber, and he probably would have made it work, right? Um, So the reality is it freshened up that gimmick, and then he went right back to the Undertaker classic version. But, you know, he talked about um, he did a lot for so many guys, and Kane was one of them, uh, if you remember how they kind of got together originally.
1: Uh, yeah, you know, Kane, uh, that relationship was amazing. The bro- Brothers of Destruction, and then Paul Bear tied in. And l- l- Let's just talk about Paul Bear for a second. The Undertaker is great, but and he will tell you, and he has in several interviews, there's no Undertaker without Paul Bear. I mean, Paul Bear, because Undertaker wasn't the greatest on the mic. He got better mm-hmm. as his career got a- uh, went along, but the same for Kane. Neither one of them were good on mics. Yeah. Paul Bear was the voice of The Undertaker. And I think a lot of people forget about that. And I mean, in my opinion, Paul Bear is one of the greatest managers of all time. He's up there with Bobby the Brain. I'm not saying he's better or is at the same tier, but he's on that top five list.
0: Ooh, top five. Yes. 100%. We may have to do a top five manager. 100%. Video.
1: No, Paul Bear, if it wasn't for Paul Bear, there would be no Undertaker. And I think he would even tell you that.
0: Um, one of the things I noticed with Kane was.
1: Sorry. Yeah, we got off topic. No, you're good.
0: It's the ability to take a young big man and kind of work with him on the uh, on ovw he actually went down there to work with him a little
1: took him under his wing
0: under his wing mm-hmm. and then he came up to the main roster and kane did not have a much luck with getting a gimmick over he was given uh i remember isaac yankum dds Right as the evil dentist with rotten teeth, mm-hmm. um, we talked about this last year in our podcast um, when we did Hall of Fame when yeah, Kane was Kane inducted, got
1: 2020 class. Right? And
0: uh, if you guys want to watch, that, I'll link it right here.
1: Yes. So Check it
0: out. ultimately, um, then Kane was given an opportunity to play the fake Diesel character when Diesel mm-hmm. left or Kevin Nash, yes. right? And then at that point, Vince kind of told Kane, you know, you're kind of on your last limb. We're going to give you this undertaker's brother gimmick and undertaker's kane has even said has saved his career and took him under his wing and really allowed him to connect into that character and spin off and actually create another hall of fame character because there would be no kane if there was no undertaker
1: i mean the big three right there paul undertaker and kane i mean it they, they was just amazing that uh, those three were able to work together and pull off their gimmicks so well together the chemistry again it comes down to having the right chemistry and those three really did um the Undertaker, but can I just get back to one point? Yes, yeah. Kane. I love the rivalry. They faced off three times at WrestleMania, correct? Yes. Yes, three times. Some great matches. Check them out on YouTube or whatever. Um, I really. I, I just watched one of them not too long ago. I think last year when Kane got inducted, and I'll have to go back and rewatch uh, all three. But you could just tell too, even though Kane's wearing the mask. Those matches give you chills. I mean, it's just so much fun. One of them is a buried alive match, if I'm not mistaken. I'm pretty sure
0: they did have a match of that nature. They had a inferno match.
1: No, but I thought the buried alive was at WrestleMania. Or was it the inferno?
0: Uh, the WrestleMania they had, I think they just standard matches on both of them, if I remember okay. correctly. But they've had a lot. No, they've a Survivor had Survivor
1: Series. It was a buried alive. They did a buried match. alive. I remember yep. that. Yeah, that was that was iconic too. And that was the buried alive match, casket match. You know, Undertaker was the... What's the term I'm looking for? The pioneer of those matches. He was the innovator Innovator, of of
0: those gimmick matches and making them work. Um, And I like that because you led me right here is the casket match uh, with the likes of Yokozuna and Kamala and many more. You've got...
1: Hell in a Cell.
0: Hell in a Cell. He's the innovator of that, right? He he was the very first Hell in a Cell ever with Shawn Michaels Mm -hmm. and The Undertaker and the debut of Kane.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. It is, isn't it? Now I'm going to have to go back and watch that. And Mick Foley's greatest match was?
0: Who was that with? His greatest of all time?
1: Oh, it's easy. Was that a Hell in a Cell match? Oh, yeah. with, (laughs) With The Undertaker, where he threw him off the top of the cell onto the... Under the, I almost said score table. Under the, what's that announcer's called? desk? Announcer's yep. desk. And I can just still to this day hear Jr. His commentary. My God! Oh my God! You thought Mick Foley was dead. Yeah. I mean, those are moments that the Undertaker provided us over the years that just kept you guessing. And I mean, every time you thought that, like you, this goes back to your point. You thought that the Undertaker was getting stale. He would be a step ahead of you, and Mm -hmm. he would see that, and he would be like, okay, it's time to up my game. That's why he moved on to the American Badass, and he wanted a little bit of the real Mark Calloway. But then he realized when he did the Big Red or Big Evil, whatever that was called, that was getting stale, and it was time to go back to the basics.
0: Who was The Undertaker's greatest rival of all time?
1: Let's take out Kane. Let's take out Kane. No Kane? Because Kane's a—yes, but—
0: You can only pick one.
1: Yes, that's why I'm taking Kane out, because more than likely you're going to say Kane, correct? Well, we don't know. But let's just take Kane out for the sake of debate, okay? I want to make it interesting, okay. because that's the easy answer.
0: I wouldn't have chose Kane. Yeah, me neither, but okay. I'm just
1: saying a lot of people are saying Kane. Okay. I'm torn. So why don't... <sighs> that's tough, because obviously his his, his WrestleMania matches with uh, Shawn Michaels are absolutely iconic. 25 and 26. WrestleMania 25 is my favorite. Undertaker match of all time. I absolutely love it. Actually, I take that back. It's probably tied. There are two matches, but we're not doing matches yet. We're doing rivalries. So okay. let's talk. Shawn Michaels okay. is one. Okay. You won't let me have another one? You,
0: you really only get won. one. Is it Shawn? Those are some Man, good matches. I
1: mean, those are some good, but I feel like he had some better rivalries well, too.
0: If you have Shawn in the first Hell in the Cell. You have Sean at both of those WrestleManias that actually end up retiring Sean. Uh, you even had Sean involved as the referee in the Triple H Mania. Yes, you the
1: know. Hell in the so- Oh, that's another rivalry who was phenomenal, yeah. it was Triple H. I love that rivalry, too. They faced off three times at WrestleMania as well. Yeah. I had to go with Shawn Michaels, though. Shawn Michaels. Shawn. 25 was just so good that it's just hard to
0: top. And I'm not faulting you there. Um, Shawn is in my running. It's a tough decision. It could go either way. Um, and Sean is one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. But I'm going to say Mick Foley, a.k.a. Mankind. That's good. Because uh, the Hell in the Cell and just their matches they've had back and forth. They had the first ever Buried Alive match, mm-hmm. the Hell in the Cell, of course, the infamous 1998 King of the Ring, and the Boiler Room Brawl at SummerSlam. And then just all of this – It looks like nowadays, like it's the Tom and Jerry cartoon version of (laughs) violence in the WWF. And so that is my pick for those reasons. But they're both solid. I mean, I I would flip a coin one day and another and see how I feel.
1: I mean, you can't go wrong with either. You can't go wrong with Triple H. Some people say Brock Lesnar, but that's still... Well... I'm going to talk about Brock Lesnar, but I'm not there yet. I know this is your show, but what is your favorite undertaker match of all time i already talked about Ooh. 25 i have another one that's already in my head that i'm ready to go with but. all
0: right favorite match of all time and i can so let's this take 25 out. Of is, it. this is tough for me okay because 25 was oh, phenomenal. dang good uh wrestlemania 25 with Shawn michaels mm-hmm. um i'm oh, also
1: headline that year it was so good
0: i like the innovation of matches and over the years okay so I love the gimmick of The Undertaker mm-hmm. being attached to matches. So for me, seeing that match with Yokozuna in 94, the casket match, mm-hmm. where they buried The Undertaker, that was a classic moment. Then seeing The Undertaker versus The Undertaker at SummerSlam with The under faker, if you will. yeah, That was a big story arc. Then you got the Mankind Buried Alive match. Mm-hmm. I, I tend to find myself drawn to these matches where The Undertaker's doomed and beaten and then just goes away and comes back. And then I also like the Inferno matches with Kane. I mean, they were fun because you know, again, fire and wrestling. It's hard for me to pick one. If I was, I'm more inclined to go to a gimmick match. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked. Ooh, I'm gonna go with. I did like the first ever buried alive match because it was innovative. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody knew how they were gonna pull it off until they seen it, and it could be. Shown is a little cheesy, but I enjoyed it. And again, in my kid mind, it was cool.
1: You know, I I agree that that's a good one. Um, the buried alive match is phenomenal. The inferno matches with Kane, uh, you, you definitely have to throw that in there. Even the rematch with Shawn Michaels at twenty six was a great match as well. Uh, but you know, <laughs> there is one match that stands out to me. You're going to laugh, but it's more recent. WrestleMania twenty nine. I absolutely loved it. Which one? I absolutely loved CM Punk versus The Undertaker. You guys Mm. need to go and watch that. And now you laugh. It was good. You need to go and watch it because not only that, if they hadn't have, I think they only had what two or three matches together, but CM Punk and The Undertaker—that is an underrated rivalry, and that rivalry is is up there as well. If you remember Breaking Point, the one year where Mm -hmm. Teddy Long got involved and he got screwed, this was kind of uh, vengeance. Uh, I love how. Paul Baird dying, they really tied into that, if you remember that mm-hmm. rivalry. And he had the fake ashes and you know, he threw away or flushed Paul Bear down the toilet with yep. the urn and everything. That build up was so phenomenal, you're like, Oh my goodness, how can it ever how can it ever live up to that? And you really thought that C M Punk was gonna be the guy to end the streak because I honestly thought, holy crap, drove oh, me crazy, it. but if C M Punk wins, I'm not gonna be shocked. Oh, I believed and it. And that match was absolutely phenomenal. CM Punk was the first person, also too, to mock the Undertaker by giving him a tombstone and putting the hands on the chest, and he even had the tongue out and everything. Go back and watch that, folks. Mm-hmm. That is my, probably outside of twenty five, my favorite Undertaker match. It was so gripping and thrilling, and I really love that match. Um, there is a Hell in a Cell match with Brock Lesnar that's really good too. It's very bloody. Yes. Years ago, I think Unforgiven or one of the side pay per views. Yep. That's really good. But CM Punk, Brian, and it's funny, too, because that was the year John Cena and The Rock were to headline. And after the WrestleMania, it was the John Cena beat The Rock, but people weren't talking about that. They were talking about CM Punk and The Undertaker that stole the show.
0: Well, it's crazy to see Mania, and he started out with his first opponent ever against Superfly Jimmy Snuka. And then to watch his career grow all the way, to AJ Styles in the Boneyard match, mm-hmm. that's a uh, huge decades—not decade, decades—of career and darkness, right? And um, so many great memories in there. And you know, this is always the question: Is the streak right? Was Brock Lesnar the right guy to defeat the streak? Now that we've seen it unplay out on TV and how Brock Lesnar was used in the last five, seven years.
1: Yes, and let me tell you why. Because if it wasn't going to be Brock, it obviously was going to be Roman Reigns. And I think that had that happened, and it was Roman Reigns, he would have never been able to recover his character. And I really, truly believe that. What they're doing now, this is off topic, but I'll just be really brief. What they're doing now with Roman Reigns is wonderful. And I think that they're really saving Roman Reigns' career Mm -hmm. by what they're doing with this gimmick with the head of the table and everything. And Paul Heyman, that's genius and brilliant by creative. I give them props. But... Going back to The Undertaker, I think they knew that Brock Lesnar has always been a polarizing figure. So you knew that you're going to have supporters that love Brock no matter what. You're going to have haters that hate him no matter what. So I think that they thought that it was the safe choice. Now getting into that real quick, I have read several reports. The night before that match in New Orleans, Brock Lesnar was on his hands and knees. This This is not verified, but there are several reports. He was on his hands and knees practically to Vince, begging him to let The Undertaker when he did not want to be the one to break the streak because that's a lot of pressure. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of heat. And it took several years, I think, for the bulk of his supporters to really get over it too because, I mean, that was a big deal and it was a shocker.
0: Yeah. I remember um, I was shocked. I actually, watching WrestleMania 30, I thought they messed up. I truly was watching it, mm-hmm. and when the referee counted and the way it played out, I literally looked, you and I said... was waiting
1: for the Undertaker to pop up, and he didn't. And it's like, oh, my God, did something happen to the Undertaker? And
0: they played Brock's music, and they showed the 21-1, and one or, you know, in the streak, and the, the one loss, and I... <laughs> the,
1: the one dude with the eyes, I'll never forget, oh, the iconic. Undertaker dude. <laughs> the big guy with the eyes just popping. I, and...
0: I thought they messed up, and then from what I heard... Was the referee assigned to the match,
1: he
0: yeah he did not even know. And they're taught when they count, Vince tells them you're never to stop the count. It's their job to kick out. Your job is to keep counting. I believe that. And there's a second, if you watch, he counts, and he it's like a millisecond. He kind of stops like, okay, and he hits that on the table, right? And he hits that on the mat, and then all of a sudden – You know, because he thought he might have gotten fired for it, Mm -hmm. but it was exactly what he should have done.
1: You know, there's a lot of heat, but I'm glad it was Brock and not Roman because do you do you agree with me that had it been Roman that I don't think he would have been able to recover Roman?
0: Roman would have been the wrong guy at the wrong time. Because
1: he was the second person to beat Undertaker, and look at the heat he got just for that in Orlando. I mean, yeah. remember the night after Raw? He stood there for like eight minutes just getting booed out of the building.
0: Well, and it, I've always said the way they used Brock with it, you know, I was a little mad at the time because I kind of was like, ooh, Brock's not all in on the business. Um, but he transitioned. It's almost like when you get the streak, you almost have to be locked into okay. the business. And I think Vince knew that. And I look at it and I say, Well, he now got the streak. Mm-hmm. He's married till death do in part to the WWE. And at that point, um Brock was used correct way, he dominated over Cena. And then from there, they tried to also give it to Roman. It didn't really work. But what they're doing this year at Mania on Sunday night is this is the battle and the main event of the streak. Whoever wins this ultimately is the ultimate winner at WrestleMania and, in a way, gets the Undertaker's true streak.
1: It wasn't even the main event, though, remember? That was the year Daniel Bryan. That was WrestleMania. Yeah. So, which they had that to kind of soften the blow. Yep. Because you had a lot of upset people. But yeah, I agree with you. Um, That was a huge turning point in his career. But I like how. He was able to bounce back. He took a year off, and then I think they had the John Cena match, mm-hmm. which that I was really disappointed the way that they handled that match because that could have been a really good match. But, I, no, that was after Roman, wasn't it? I'm sorry. Yep. I'm, I screwed up. Who did he face right after Brock? Uh, Give me a second. I want to say Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt, yes. And then he faced it was someone else before Roman, correct? Or I would no? have to
0: look that one in it.
1: Okay. But, anyways, yeah, it's not important. But I think... He was able to rebound, um, and then he lost to Roman, and that was tough, and he looked old. He, see, that was the thing. He looked old against Brock, but he mm-hmm. really looked old against Roman, and I think that was the beginning of the end, and it was really sad for me to watch those two matches.
0: The Boneyard match with AJ Styles was the perfect way for him to go out. They could take some time in between sets. Mm-hmm. They could film it in, in the days of it being kind of you know the cinematic wrestling matches, uh, and at that point of his career, it was a way to send him out in style. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the perfect way to end the wrestling career of The Undertaker at WrestleMania with a win in a cinematic boneyard match. So that was big for me. And I think AJ, you know, handled that very well.
1: Not too many guys get to go out being on top. And I think, uh, you know, that's that's pretty cool that he got to end his career with a win because a lot of them yep. lose. So, I mean, yeah.
0: Let's – um kind of as we wrap up, I want to talk about just his, you know, he's being inducted by his peers tonight. And I want to talk about what he meant to those peers. He was a locker room leader in an era of last locker room leaders. So for example, he grew up in the eighties, nineties in this business, and he took so many, not, he didn't just take from the industry, but he gave so much back by being a locker room leader and guiding the younger wrestlers. And everybody has always told you he's been the guy that has been the mediator between the boys in the locker room and the office and Vince. And he's been that guy that has always kind of you know, stood up and spoke for everybody in the room.
1: Listen, he could have told Vince to piss off and say, no, I'm not I'm. – I'm going to retire undefeated at WrestleMania. I mean, he could have been that guy to said, "No, I'm not losing the brock." I mean, he had that poll at that time, I think, to tell Vince no. Yeah. I really think and I think Vince would have listened to him and said, "I really don't want to lose." Okay? Cuz you know all these headliners, you know like Stone Cold Steve Austin didn't want to come back this year cuz he didn't want to lose. That's why he didn't wrestle against Kevin Owens, okay? But I think that The Undertaker he is all about the business as you mentioned. And, you know, Vince told him, you know, this is it. Your streak is over. Took it like a man. He performed. Yes, he looked old, but it was still a semi-decent match. It wasn't his best, but he, uh, you know, it was a tough loss, but he went out there and he still uh, got the job done. And that's the ultimate businessman. And, you know, he, he was, all like you said, he was good at putting people over. But I also think that Undertaker is one of these few guys he could put someone over, even if he wins the match. He put over Bray Wyatt in that match in WrestleMania. Yeah. If you go back and watch it, that's a really good match, too. And Bray Wyatt looked magnificent in that match. The CM Punk. CM Punk looked at his best. CM yeah. Punk was at his best when he wrestled The Undertaker. I mean, he's putting all over all these guys, even though he's still beating them. And I think that's one of the reasons that I love The Undertaker the most. It didn't matter if he won or lost the match. He, Like you said, he was there... For the better of the company and for the fans, and he was a pure entertainer, and he was—he's a, a very selfless person, a very selfless man, and I think that's one of the reasons why I became a huge fan.
0: Well, and that's the other thing is um, he was one of those rare wrestlers and characters that didn't need the title no to be relevant in any part of the business.
1: I mean, I was just looking at some of his title reigns and. You know, they didn't last very long, and that's because uh, his longest title reign was from 2009 to 2010, 140 days. But outside of that, 23 days, 14 days, 6 days, 29 days, 49 days, 37 days, 30 days. I mean, Brian, that that kind of meets your point right there. I mean, it wasn't about the titles, and really... Most of these matches that we've been talking about were non-title matches. CM Punk was a non-title mm-hmm. match. I'm pretty sure the Buried Alive one was a non-title, was it?
0: Uh, Yeah, that's correct. And then,
1: uh, of course, uh, WrestleMania 25 was as well. So
0: It was non-title. You know, there's that old saying um, that the man title doesn't make the man. The man makes the title. And that is exactly where we fall with The Undertaker. Um, Hall of Fame career, oh. amazing legacy. And I'm excited that he is going to enjoy this tonight and it's going to be a heck of a ceremony live tonight
1: real quick adding earlier michelle mccool should have went in this year we forgot about her she should have went in with her husband
0: with her husband that would have been a nice one-two punch um any other final comments on the undertaker in this legacy
1: well deserved um i'm so happy for him this makes me want to go back and re-watch all those matches we just talked about um and i know we're forgetting several that i know a lot of people are like well what about this match what about that match yeah, I know, but, you know, we really don't have time to talk about all of them. But he was in so many great matches, and, you know, he really is the dead man. I mean, he's a, he's iconic, and he's going to go down as one of the all-time greats. Yes. Sure.
0: So, um, you know, the final word is The Undertaker, rest in peace, and live in legacy. That brings us to the end, and I want to thank my main man, Nikki T. Michaels, tap-out talk Hall of Famer. <laughs> and I appreciate you. This is year two being yes. on the show.
1: Yes, let's do it again. And maybe let's do it for the Royal Rumble next year. Let's do it for the Royal Rumble. Right. Uh, we
0: can do it as many times as we want. You're always welcome All with right. that Hall of Fame status.
1: Appreciate it. Thank you, sir.
0: Guys, uh, do you, Nick, do you want to throw out your channel real quick?
1: Oh, yeah. You can check me out on Twitter at uh, Michaels 89 um, And then I'm on uh, Instagram as well at Michaels 89
0: Well, let's wrap up, guys. Thanks for watching. Like, share, subscribe. I appreciate each and every one of you guys in the wrestling community. And don't make it a great night. Make it a class night of Hall of Fame.